Blog Talk Radio. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for all your blessings. You said in all things give thanks. So we want to thank you tonight for these mighty machines that you brought before us. Thank you for the Dodges and the Toyotas. Thank you for the Fords. And most of all, we thank you for Roush and Yates partnering to give us the power that we see before us tonight. Thank you for GM Performance Technology and the R07 engines. Thank you for Sunoco Racing Fuel and Goodyear Tires that bring performance and power to the track. Lord, I want to thank you for my smoking hot wife tonight, Lisa. My two children, Eli and Emma, or as we like to call them, the little E's. Lord, I pray you bless the drivers and use them tonight. May they put on a performance worthy of this great track. In Jesus' name, boogity, 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 amen. Another episode of Race Chat Live. I am actually en route uh, to a destination, so I am uh, in commute at this time, unfortunately. Uh, Our prior commitments dwindled over into the hottest two hours on internet radio, Race Chat Live. I've got some help around me. Of course, we've got our co-host, crime partner, uh, Taz Taylor, and our new partner, Miss Lee Reed. Also, later on in the evening, we will be joined with Craig Moore as well. So, you know, you know, the agenda for this uh, 
episode really just falls under Daytona preview. Um, we're going to throw the itinerary out the window. We're going to just talk racing tonight. I mean, that's uh, what we've been good at for all these years, and I uh, feel like uh, tonight we'll just keep it simple and uh, talk about what's coming up because, like Taz said, a lot of times we don't really preview a race as much as we talk about what happened uh, the previous weekend, and this will give us an opportunity to actually sit down and uh, talk about what is coming. And obviously, it's the Great American Race, uh, the 58th running. No, correct me, 60th. What is this? Somebody know how many? Uh, 58. That was a uh, Super Bowl 57. So I don't think that was the right one. Does anybody have the right calculation on that? It was 1959. So. That was the Daytona 500. Who do I have on the line with me there? Is that Miss Lee? Is that Taz? I'm here. Hang on a second. I'm looking it up. Yeah, it's 59, so... We also, we did have one race over the weekend. The uh, uh, Wheel and Modified Tour ran down at New Smyrna, opened their um, season up. Ronnie Silk won there. It's the 64th running, I believe, the 64th running of the Daytona 500, which, I mean, you know, that that just shows the Daytona 500 has actually been around longer than the Super Bowl. If we could just get our ratings somewhere close to that, right, Miss Lee? Did you see the ratings that came out for the Super Bowl? Yes, I did. That was pretty unbelievable. 113 million viewers, 118 at the peak uh, at uh, – during the uh, Rihanna halftime show, and it peaked at like somewhere around 180 million people. It was more or less of who didn't watch it than it was who did. If we could just have that type of success in racing, I mean, how is how is motorsports, how are race cars not more fun than a bunch of grown men knocking the crap out of each other? I mean, we're a bunch of grown men knocking the crap out of each other, too, in racing. We just use race cars to do it. How's that not better? Exactly. Obviously, we are on the uh, other side of that uh, because uh, uh, our general ratings are somewhere like a 2.1, so we're lucky to have, you know, 3 million people watching, which they told a 500 is generally – you know, the most watched race of the season. Uh, I think last week we had a um, a stat that come out uh, that the Clash actually had more viewership than the uh, the championship race at uh, Phoenix um, at the end of the season. So, But this Daytona 500, I feel like we're gearing up to be one of the best Daytona 500s ever. And, uh, you know, we've got some... Uh, names that are going to be uh, trying to qualify for the Daytona 500 without guaranteed uh, positions. And, uh, you know, let's jump right in. Let's give that a little bit of talk because we've got Connor Daly. We've got Travis Pastrana. We have Jimmy Johnson. Those three drivers are bidding for uh, a, a chance to race the Great American Race, the Daytona 500. And then you also have uh, Austin Hill, right, the RCR driver. Uh, RCR come out today and said, look, this 62 car 
that Austin Hill is driving, it is a prepared RCR machine. So they're basically rolling into Daytona uh, this week as a three-car operation there through RCR. Then you've got Zane Smith, who's in the 36 machine. Uh, and I know we're missing one more driver. Miss Lee, help me out. Who are we missing? We've got Zane Smith. We've got Austin Hill. Chandler Smith. Jimmy Johnson. Chandler Smith in the colleague car test. Thank you very much. So as we take our first swings of the actual first topic of the evening, uh, if you could take two at this point in time to lock them in, who are those two guarantees out of the six that we just mentioned? Taz, I know you're biting at the bit. You want to jump in on this. What tour do you believe would be the automatic lock-ins uh, based off of this, uh, this qualifying effort coming up tomorrow evening? Um, on paper, I'm going to say Johnson and Austin Hill. I just – obviously, we – we're more than likely going to see different results on track, but when you look at it on paper, I think Austin Hill and Jimmy Johnson have the best shot. Remember, now, this qualifying effort tomorrow, we will lock in two drivers. That's why uh, I'm bringing this up, because there will be two drivers that lock themselves into the show uh, tomorrow evening during the qualifying session. So we will have that to enjoy two we will know two drivers that will race uh, in the open seats uh, at the conclusion of tomorrow's qualifying. Miss Lee, I, I, you know, I, I think I'm wondering what do you feel like? I wouldn't necessarily count out Connor Daly. I think he has fighting chance, and I'm hoping that the other one will definitely be Jimmy Johnson. Connor Daly. So that's a Fury race car. Funny, let's, let's analyze funny it for you, real, real quick. Funny of you mentioned that because last year Kaz Grala was in that same car and he almost got through based on qualifying. I think he got in based right. on his dual finish. Idiot. Yes. That car did make the show last year uh, as, as an open car. Um, it's you know that's uh, Tony Urie Jr. and his father Tony Urie Sr. along with uh, several other old DEI guys that have uh, uh, come together and created this uh, Fury Motorsports basically, but they're they're called the Money Mayweather team. Obviously, there's probably a, a specific number that's been set down on the table to call that the Money Mayweather team, but. Uh, uh, the car is prepared by Fury Race Cars, I believe, uh, or that's where the car was prepared at last year. So, uh, you know, it, when you have the Uries who jacked on just about anything that was a winner, uh, you know, setting this car up and getting it ready uh, for the qualifying effort, you, you know, you, you can uh, you can guarantee it's probably going to be a quick lap. But, you know, this is Connor Daly. And other drivers that uh, may not have the necessary experience behind this, but, you know, that there again, Jimmy Johnson, same thing. He's never been in this race car. So, uh, you know, I, I would probably try the two uh, that have actually been in this race car before, and that would be Zane Smith and uh, Austin, Austin Hill. So 
believe Austin Hill was in that car last year, right? I believe so. Well, one of the things that they, they mentioned on um, uh, Race Hub this evening was that um, being that this is uh, JJ's first time in the car, he doesn't have the bad habits that other drivers have learned over the past year with the cars. So he's starting fresh, starting new. Yes, that could be an advantage. It could be a disadvantage. Depends how you you know which side of the coin you're looking at. Right, and and, but with somebody with that amount of experience, you you just you know you have to believe that he can jump in, and 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 these cars are uh, always fast at uh, super speedway racing. So uh, you know we've seen. Eric Jones uh, win at Daytona, so we know that uh, well not in was he in, uh, he was not in the 43. I believe he was at Joe Gibbs when he won uh, at Daytona a July race, I believe at the time. Uh, but um, you know, there's a lot of speed. I, I expect a lot of speed out of that uh, Legacy Motor Motor Club uh, team, and with Noah Gregson being over there at the helm as well, a lot of I read this week a lot of Dale Jr. A lot of that team is straight out of the shop of Dale Jr. Uh, Luke Lambert, I believe, the crew chief for Noah Gregson, uh, picked about half the crew that was with Noah from last year and brought him over to this legacy MC uh, team. No, it's okay. It's okay. Hang on, I got it. Uh, bottle of water kind of just went to the floor. Uh, but we'll so keep wouldn't on. it be a real kicker if Jimmy Johnson gets in that car, qualifies well, and ends up winning the race? Oh, come on. Don't that play out my Christmas dream scenario wow. for Sunday. Oh, boy. Yeah. The, the, group, the group chat will go bonkers. That's just a warning. <laughs> yeah, hey, I just had to throw never, that out there. I've never proclaimed myself as a Jimmy Johnson fan. I definitely was not much of a fan when he was stinging up the show, winning 50 races in like three years. So, um, uh, you know, four years. I'm definitely not uh, going to sit here and proclaim something that I'm not. But I love the underdog story. And I love the redemption. And... You know, I I, I just kind of feel like this is a redemption story here. You know, he went over to IndyCar and got his got his geek kicked out of his mouth. And I don't know if anybody else on this panel will sit here and say that because they're fans of Jimmy Johnson. But but he got his uh, I'm not a Jimmy Johnson fan. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I mean, look, I'm a fan of him now. I wasn't a fan of him, like I said, when he was thinking the show up. I I want to see him do well. And I want to see him redeem himself. And, you know, um, this is uh, the first time that he'll experience what that Earnhardt Childress horsepower is, right? And, uh, man, the storyline behind that. I mean, Hendrick, like, what would they even be able to find Rick Hendrick if, if he were to win the Daytona 500? Because the first question would be is, well, how did you let this guy go try for somebody else, you know? 
And I still think that that's going to be something that's answered later on is the reason why. Um, but I agree. The, the more and more that we find out about this legacy motor motor club and being that, uh, you know, Richard Petty is no longer really even affiliated with the race team, um, you know, obviously there's been not too many success stories of new ownerships coming into NASCAR, and we can attest to that over the years. It's a very slim chance that this – that the ownerships uh, that come into NASCAR stick around for more than 10 years. It, it's a miracle if they do last 10 years. I mean, we've seen we've seen operations go win championships and close their doors down within three years of that championship. So um, it's definitely a hard model uh, to, to stand by, and it's even harder to win at this type of level of racing. But with Jimmy Johnson being the face of the franchise and being able to, you know, mogul uh, – to outlets that were no that were not uh, possibly going to be, you know, obtained possible by somebody like Gallagher, um, you know, I, I think the sky is the limit with this race team. And, and by no means do I want to come in here and say that Jimmy Johnson uh, doesn't have the equipment that it's going to take to win the Daytona 500. We know that the Daytona 500 is not necessarily of who is the fastest. It's who can get the most help. And if I can get out there and jump out and help the old seven time, you're guaranteed I would do it. Uh, but uh, what are you guys' thoughts on some of that? I think Childress is going to end up regretting that, not keeping Jimmy in the fold like he did Jeff. Because what, what has Jeff yeah, really and- done for that team? But now he's the kind of the he is he is the face of Hendrick Motorsports, and if Jimmy Johnson can take one lesson from that, that is how to uh, curve yourself from being a driver to being the the, the face of the building. Like and, and Rick told us a long time ago that this was going to be the way it was, and you know some people uh, didn't really take into consideration that. Uh, oh goodness gracious! Okay, that's just a charm. Um, you know, that, that this was going to be uh, the route that Gordon would stand. I mean, he is he is the face of Hendrick Motorsports. So uh, he goes and he uh, – look, Kyle Larson just recently uh, went out and said, you know, how important it was for Jeff Gordon to be involved in the recruiting him uh, to Hendrick Motorsports. So, yeah, Hendrick, I believe in the end he will regret the fact that he didn't kind of help pave the way to get Jimmy back over here. Uh, into cup racing, or at least, you know, as a, even as an affiliate of Hendrick Motorsports. I mean, the moment that, 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 uh, that Jimmy's name was signed on the deed, I think everybody kind of expected, you know, just this automatic alliance with Hendrick Motorsports, but that, that, that did not come. And uh, they, they have made some comments on that uh, through the Sirius XM radio. Taz, I have not heard much from you. You're quiet. Let's get your thoughts, man. Johnson's got the capability. Well, I mean, I should say anybody's got the capability knowing Daytona. But um, Johnson's got the capability of uh, being up front. Petty G, or can't say Petty GMS, Legacy Motor Club. Uh, we've, we know that they have the super speedway uh, speed in these cars. Uh, we know that. 
with Maury Gallagher and the whole GMS side of things, we know that they carry speed. We've seen in the truck series. And last, yeah, we, know that they, we know they have the speed in general because you look at Eric Jones last year. I mean, unfortunately, that's the only bright spot they had because I just think Ty Dillon's rust showed way too much. Um, but I'm hoping Gregson turns that around. But, but, that, but I but, do but Taz, have faith. Can we, can we honestly say that just shows the type of talent that Eric Jones is, being that those two cars were in the same operation and Ty Dillon drove like shit, and Eric Jones was able to win at a race called Too Tough to Tame. I mean, literally, he's two-time winner. We talked about this last week, a two-time winner of the Southern 500. I mean, you know. That's no fluke, Taz Taylor. And that guy's got a lot of talent. GMS, a legacy motorsports club, could honestly, in my book, be a, a powerhouse that can contends and maybe even better than track house uh, on this upcoming season. I don't want to get you stirred up, and I don't want to get you uh, moving in the wrong direction here. But, you know, uh, like I said, I believe this oh, no, legacy I knew- MC. I knew Jones had the talent. We saw it in Gibbs in the, because with him being in the 20 car at that point in time when he was in there, the 20 car was basically the worst car in the stable. Then when, when you look at last year, obviously Tide turned, but or as time, had, time or the team had turned in a sense because the 20 car – was progressively getting better when Jones got out. Not saying anything to discredit Jones, but that's just how it was. I think the combination of Eric Jones and uh, Noah Gregson is really going to be something to keep an eye on this year. Give me just a second, guys. So they announced today that the Grand Marshals for the Daytona 500 this year is a group who are all Daytona 500 winners as well as NASCAR championship winners. And it's going to be Richard Petty, Bobby Allison, Bill Elliott, Jeff Gordon, Dale Jarrett, Kevin Harvick, Jimmy Johnson, Kurt Busch, and Joey Logano. I wonder if now, you those drivers going to be able to call and run to the car. That I was just going to say that was exactly where I was going, Taz, was are these guys going to issue the command from their cars, the, the current drivers, I mean, or what? This, this is going to be interesting. If they do that, they might as well shut the microphones off really quick before you hear car echoing over the loudspeaker and blowing your right. Yeah, that's funny. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they how they work that out. But uh, I think it's a pretty impressive group, and you know that's an impressive accomplishment: Daytona 500 winners and NASCAR championship winners. Wow. So, th- th- 
they have announced the Grand Marshals for the upcoming race. It's very interesting, Miss Lee. Thank you very much. You got it. So uh, we've got uh, the qualifying effort tomorrow. We've got the duels on Thursday. Um, it's uh, the, the track is quiet right now, but it will not be after tomorrow. Uh, do we have uh, confirmation on the entry lists for the Truck Series and the X- Xfinity Series? Um, yeah, they did put those out today. I'll look them up real quick. Okay, okay. So I do want to get into our predictions, uh, top five predictions for this season. I believe that will be coming up in the top of the next half hour. Um, but, um, any, Taz, do you have a specific topic or anything that you want to discuss? What was that? Do you have, uh, do you have a topic? Um. I mean, I was going to save the odds and favorites and all that stuff toward the end of the show. But if you want to get into that, we can. I mean, there's other topics we can hit, like uh, different places NASCAR is trying to go to. Yeah, yeah, let's bring that up, Taz, definitely. So I read uh, earlier this week that uh, NASCAR has interest uh, in New York, possibly Seattle, possibly Denver, and as well as outside of the country in Mexico and Canada. Now, I'm glad that you brought this up, Taz, because the first thing that I was thinking was, wait a minute, we're going to go to that many different cities for street courses? You've got to be kidding me. Please, please, does anybody here feel the same way I do? I'm not, I'm not all, I like the idea of doing a street course, but now all of a sudden, like, uh, are we going to be doing, like, five or six a year? Are we taking our, our racing and taking it out of a track and putting it on a street? I mean, what what's really going on here? Maybe you can straighten us out, Miss Lee. Well, I was going to say, um, with Canada and Mexico, they have ovals and road courses. We know that for sure. Um, I'm not too familiar with Mexico, per se. I know Canada has a street, at least one street course. I think they have, like, two that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, so, but that's because of the Pinty series. I honestly think NASCAR going to Canada in terms of the top three series, I think... Uh, they have to be very careful and be very limited of what they do, only because you're gonna. And I'm gonna. It's gonna work the same way with Mexico too, but you have to be careful going to those to Mexico and Canada because you have the other NASCAR series, like you have the next NASCAR Mexico series and the NASCAR Pinty series. So you don't want to overflow. I don't really want to say overflow. But you don't want to so, overpower their the own series versus I'm give you where we are. Oh, thank you. As for Seattle and Denver, that's, that's more than likely going to be a street course. Um, I think they're hitting New York City. I was watching this on Eric you. Eastup's YouTube channel the thank other you, day. Um, oh, 
NASCAR is probably targeting New York City because of IndyCar and Formula One hitting some of the bigger road course, street course markets. Uh, IndyCar nabbed Nashville. Formula One grabbed somewhere else. Miami. And Las Vegas. Look, everybody knows New York is the media capital of the world. I mean, uh, NASCAR several years ago, back in the early 2000s, late 1999, uh, they were actually uh, in talks of putting a NASCAR track on the island there. Uh, I believe if we, you know, long live stats, uh, but uh, I, I believe I remember having a discussion with Mike Paracone. Uh, back a few years ago, when we dug up the old uh, topics, when they were when they were actually planning to build a NASCAR track in New York, uh, New York is probably a great place to do a race. Um, but I hope that it's more of a stadium style race than a street course race. And and I wonder how y'all feel about that. It's they're using they're looking at using MetLife Stadium as part of the road course street course, whatever you want to call it, for New York City. I think this is NASCAR's... Which is actually in New Jersey. Oh, my God. Right. But, oh, my um, God. It could be like a New York into New York, New Jersey type thing, like like a crisscross. I don't know how that would even work, but it is a possibility. But, like I said, I think this is NASCAR's, like, golden gem for a street course. Because IndyCar took off with Nashville. F1 has taken off with their two markets that they hit. And it kind of threw NASCAR out for a loop, which is why I believe NASCAR is trying out Chicago. Being that uh, Chicago is, being that Chicagoland was a NASCAR market, and being that there's no Chicagoland Speedway, uh, people in the Midwest are missing out on NASCAR. And, specifically in Chicago. So I feel like NASCAR is kind of making up for it in a sense, but also trying to hit a good market for a street course. But because of the iffy opinions on it, um, I think they're going to try hitting a different market, which is where New York City comes into play. But in terms of Seattle and Denver, I know they're trying to expand more into the Northwest because I guess they had a good turnout for Portland last year when the Xfinity Series raced out there. Well, that is an underserved market as far as as NASCAR goes, because you don't have a lot of tracks out there. You do have ARCA that runs out in the north but other than that, I'm just not convinced that street racing is the answer. I think they should take advantage. If they want to hit those markets, that's fine. But let's look at what can existing tracks do to accommodate NASCAR more. Yeah, because there's no set – I don't think there's any, like – real NASCAR tracks for Seattle and Denver. So street course would have to be the only way unless, you know, construction happens and they make a speedway or road course type track. But um, 
Well, I mean, if NASCAR is trying to... But there's plenty of tracks out west. Look where ARCA races. I mean, yeah, there's smaller tracks. But, you know, take something... Dip your toes in the water first. Thank you. Take take Xfinity. Take the trucks out there. You know, Mm -hmm. something like that. Gauge the right. gauge the crowd interest. Right. Honestly, though, guys, I really think that between the Gateway Nationals and what we've seen at the Clash, like we can we could run a full fledged race inside a football stadium, and and it would be just as eventful as the Clash. It would be just as good as the Dome race with the late models. Um, so if that's kind of the area that they're that they're Wanting to get into, I can I can really see that. Like you know, um, go back to New York real quick, where he said MetLife. Like I, I would not even thought MetLife. Right? I want to go see. I want to see race cars in Yankee Stadium. When I think New York, I think Yankee Stadium. So you know, a place like Denver or Seattle, um, I can see where you know uh, maybe a stadium race. I, maybe maybe Denver more of a road course, street course. Maybe that would be really cool. Uh, Seattle, I think they have a lot of too many problems on the inner city side, uh, um, and whether or not we would even want to go in that market. Plus, Seattle's always a uh, rainy, exactly. dreary place. So you would most definitely think of something maybe inside a closed arena uh, there in those areas. But once again, we're putting NASCAR in places that we're not used to or accustomed to, and we're taking mm-hmm. them out of these race race why do we have iowa speedway if we're not going to race there right and that's a midwest that's a western racetrack that we don't even go to anymore and chicago chicago is six hours from everything right chicago is six hours from from st louis it's six hours from nashville it's six hours i mean chicago is damn near in the middle of everything the only thing i can think of in terms of it's funny you bring up the stadium racing because, like, if you look at the Clash – actually, let's look at the Gateway Nationals. I know it's not NASCAR, and it's more of a dirt late model race and whatnot, but let's take the stadium, Gateway Stadium, for example. You're looking at around that same square footage that they can make a track on. If you go to any of the stadiums in Denver, Seattle, New York, that type of deal – it's going to be complicated to make, say, an oval track with those stadiums because of the fact you're not going to fit a 40-car field. So you're going to have to do an exhibition race. And if they come up with a points race for this, I don't know how the heck it's going to work. Probably give, like, X amount of points for, like, say, the B main finishers or whatever. But it wouldn't be a normal 40-car race field. So... I would see that as an exhibition, but if they're going to figure out a way to incorporate a stadium, I could see them maybe functioning part of the racetrack through the stadium parking lot in a sense. I don't know how that would entirely work. So so you bring up a good point, Taz. Why not? whittle the schedule down a little bit and add more exhibition races. What lately have been the more exciting races? 
you know, maybe break up the season and once a month or once every six weeks or whatever do just an exhibition race. You know, you know, you you sparked the, that little uh, thing there because I don't know if you guys remember this being a story somewhat last year, but I do remember um, a little bit of talks last year about of NASCAR trying to go electric and how they're going to take the next-gen car, make it more electric than, say, a yeah, normal I... stock car, and right, how they're right. going to take certain uh, OEMs manufacturers and have a, basically do something similar to SRX, which is basically run 12 cars on, say, short tracks, road courses, whatever, and run, say, like a time, say, a time race, per se. Now, we could do, now, this exhibition deal, I can see, if we do that, I think this is where you hit some of the markets, like your Denver, your Seattle, maybe New York City, per se. You tip, you're still tiptoeing, um, you're still dipping your toes to, to see what you're getting into. And you're still promoting your NASCAR product, product with your top NASCAR stars. It's just you're taking a different approach with it. I say bah on electric. Yeah, yeah. I say I said that with the uh with the mufflers too. Got a lot of pushback, so definitely uh definitely not a fan. Like, you know, I I know it took us a while to go from carbureted to fuel injection. Uh, that took about 40-something years, 50-something years to do. Let's not be so quick to jump over in the hybrid side, right? I mean, what I had a discussion with with a mechanic the other day was exactly this. We finally perfected the gas-burning motor and the transmission. Then we turned around, and now we've added the hybrid electronic components and stuff. And now cars are once again not as durable as what they were because of all these extra components and he and he agreed with me so um i'm sorry you go to a race because of the experience and what does the experience include the sights the sounds the smells the feelings of getting dust in your eyes and hit by little rubber pellets. Come on now. Exactly. Exactly, Miss Lee. That's part of the experience. Everybody wants to shorten a race except for those that actually pay to go to these races. And the reason why we don't want to shorten a race is because we pay a lot of money to go sit there for five hours. Sure, it, sure, it can get boring when you're watching it on TV, but when you show up there, I mean, look, the, the race of the class is like six and a half hours long. It's probably a little bit longer than what uh, most people want to sit there, and, but look, uh, I enjoyed it. I didn't complain. I, somebody had to tell me it was six and a half hours long. I wasn't sitting there with my stopwatch. The most fun I ever had at a race was watching the trucks at Eldora and getting covered in fricking mud. Taz, I have to say that sounds pretty fun. What's that, 12-car electric field riding around in a stadium? No, standing in the door against flat with mud from a truck 
that was me. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I was trying to bring Taz in on that. I didn't know if he had caught that one or not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not holding a dead. Yeah. Taz, have you ever been to a cup race? Uh, no. We're. I know my. I know my fiance Bree. She's been to New Hampshire. Uh, Bristol, I feel like I'm missing a track or two in there, but we've looked, she wants, she wants to go to Watkins Glen, obviously Daytona 500, the bucket list one, uh, we've looked at Dover before too, so. All right, well, guess what, I am back in the office, finally, if we can uh, get some entry. We'll take a look real quick at the entry list uh, for the Xfinity Series. Oh. Uh, when I say that, uh, running into some issues. All right, here we go. Maybe. 44 cars on the entry list uh, for the Xfinity race. Six cars will fail to qualify. Wow. How about that? Six? The Xfinity Wait, series. They're doing 38? Xfinity's only running 38? Wow. There are 44 cars. I thought they ran 40. They told me entry this. But then when you are you Chris? There's 33 cars entered for the Xfinity race. No, there's 44. That's uh, there. There's an extension on that PDF file. Uh, the 34th through the 44th entry is Parker Kligerman, Jeremy Clements, Joey Gay. Dexter Stacy, Ryan Vargas, Anthony Alfredo, Josh Bolivia. All right, Josh you're Williams. looking you must you're looking at the truck list. No, 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 no. This is this is Xfinity. The what's for dinner three hundred. Yeah. On, no, I'm there's forty four. There's forty four. Yeah. I I see it too. Uh, yeah. okay, I got the wrong I got the wrong page, sorry. Yep. Forty-four for well, Xfinity and forty-two for truck. I believe it's an extended PDF file. How about that? Now the PDF file was on the truck race. If you, it was also if you on the Xfinity at, too. If you if you look at what he at what JC's got posted on his page instead of the PDF list, he's got three. Yeah, you only see, like, a limited amount if you don't click the PDF. I see what you're saying. Um. I'm looking at the list actually on Jayski's page, not the PDF. 
Yeah, so Dre Gaulding in the 08, Josh Berry, Justin Haley. I'm going to double check with Hot Chris. I know he has the full list without looking at PDF. Now, I'm not really seeing any big names. Jeffrey Earnhardt's in the 44, so these are not cup drivers. These are these are qualified expenditure drivers that are that are going to be uh, bidding for their chance. Justin Haley, Timmy Hill, and David Starr are the only ones who are listed as uh, in, ineligible for points. And how will how will they determine who those qualifying spots are? Because there's not any duels, so it's just straight on qualifying, huh? Right. Wow. Is there anybody that's locked in on the Xfinity Series side? I think just the charter teams, uh, as far as I know of. Mm-mm. There's not charter teams in the Xfinity Series. I guess it's all open field. You take your top 30. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember last year. Uh, I think it was the green light. They had, like, a car that failed qualifying or something, but they put their full-time driver in somebody else's car, something like that. I think that happened, like, a couple times last year. Right. I forgot now that you mention it. But there's uh, 44 entries for Xfinity for 38 spots. There's 42 entries for Truck for 36 spots. I got the Cup qualifying order too for tomorrow night. I did notice that Chandler Smith was uh, the first one out. Not 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 what you're wanting uh, <laughs> to do when you're coming out, trying to make your first qualifying effort in the Daytona 500. You, you don't. I don't. I'm just not sure if being the first guy out is where you want to be. Well, the open guys. Let's see. Chandler Smith's the first one. Um, the next in line is Connor Daly. He'll qualify seventh. Not a seventh starting spot, but he'll be seventh card to attempt the qualifying. Uh, after him, it is looking like Zane Smith. He'll be the 15th car to go out. Jimmy Johnson's next uh, 17th to go out. Travis Pastrana and Austin Hill go right after Jimmy Johnson. Uh, one's to note. Matt Snyder and Sammy Smith and Joe Gibbs race cars, along with John Hunter Demacek. Oh, yeah. That was the news. Matt Snyder, uh, I believe, has a six-race deal with Joe Gibbs in the Xfinity Series this year. I think it's six. I might be wrong. Got the boot from Jordan Anderson Racing, it looks like. Either he got the boot or he didn't have sponsorship. Yeah, uh, I, I did hear Jordan on yesterday with uh, Daniel Trotter, and uh, he spoke about uh, the acquisition of Jeff Burton being brought over to their team. And I believe they have another. They're they're focused on two cars, 
uh, for Daytona. Jeb Burton is in one car, and I'm trying to think of who is in the other. Anderson, let's see. Um, um, let me look up the entry list. I know it's there. Uh, shoot. I think it was the 27. Jeb Burton was the 27. Parker Redslav in the 31. If my memory serves me right, Parker Redslav, I believe, was a... Um, he comes from Arca. On the top. Okay, I thought he was... He came, I think he also came from the iRacing side of things, too. Really? I think so. I have to double check. I think he was also one of the top guys from the iRacing NASCAR series or whatever. Like he was like one of the top sim racers to race in the the pro NASCAR iRacing series or whatever it's called. Maybe I would have picked off the top of your head who's going to be uh, the top cars to deal with in the Xfinity Series race. Who are the favorites? Who are the favorites in Xfinity, you're saying? Yeah, I would have to say probably Sheldon. Um, Just to throw this in, guys, Rhett Slaff has been racing since he was nine years old. He started out in the uh, Bandoliers Series in 2013 and ran ARCA Midwest, ran ARCA East, K&N West, ARCA Menard Series, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck Series. Amazing how many miles these kids have already raced before they even turn a teenager or before they turn 20, I should say, in their teenage years. Uh, yeah, no kidding. You know, Earnhardt Racing last year, Junior Motorsports, it was dominating. I don't see them falling too far uh, from the top as they were last year. Rolling into this race, you know, I think all eyes are on Josh Berry. I think Justin Algier, you have to kind of give him a nod uh, based off experience. Sheldon Creed uh, from RCR, I think he's one to watch. And, of course, Justin Haley, anytime he's uh, in a a restrictor plate, uh, super speedway type race, I think he's definitely one that you have to watch. But outside of so that, I'm looking at so I'm looking at Parker Redslap. He he is also from the i racing side of things too. He did not have a good showing last year, finishing 34th out of 40 uh, entries in the series. Uh, well, last year was his rookie year, but he, but while coming from Arca, he is coming from the i racing side too. So, if he plays his cards right, he could pull up another turn. Well, let's jump on over here to the truck series side and see if we can find, I believe, uh, Kyle Bush. Kyle Bush, right here. 
Oh, yeah. Kyle Busch news that uh, he's going to be racing. He's coming out of retirement. Right, Zaz Taylor? Yeah, he kind of pulled the Tom. Well, I don't really want to say he pulled the Tom Brady move. He, But um, in a sense, he kind of did. He, I guess you could say he took, like, what, one year, maybe two years off? Um, for from the Xfinity series, and he's coming back this year for uh, I want to say it's for five races. I have to look quick, but he's going to be driving the for colleague racing in the number ten car um, on the Xfinity side. That I do know because Landon Castle. Um, didn't have enough sponsorship funding to run the full season in the 10 cars. Um, trying to see where his races will be. And he also announced his truck series uh, races, too. That I do know. Uh, Kyle Bush News right here. Let's see. Driving the number 10 Xfinity... Yeah, so his we got, first uh, race. Truck- his first race with them is at Las Vegas. Oh wow! I'm gonna race it at home. And oh, right here, Las Vegas, uh, Phoenix, Charlotte. I believe Charlotte's gonna be the the Coke 600 weekend. Watkins Glen, and I believe he's gonna be running the Darlington Southern 500 weekend for the Xfinity Series. And I also do know he announced his truck series side of things, too. I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, he's got, well, I've got to... the trucks. Trucks, he's got Vegas, Toda, Martinsville, the first Kansas race, and Pocono. Pocono. I mean, that's so weird. Why Pocono? <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, 42 drivers, 36 spots in the truck series, since we're talking about the truck series. We do have a couple of drivers that are participating in the truck series. Uh, Notable is Corey Ledoy, uh, Chase Elliott, Travis Pastrana, uh, Parker Klingerman, Ty Majeski are all attempting uh, to qualify in the truck series. And there's two Jason Whites. How about that? Two Jason Whites for the first time ever. Uh, somebody with the, the same name is attempting to qualify uh, in, in a NASCAR race. One is Jason A. White. The other is Jason M. White. Boy, ain't that going to throw people off for a loop? Uh-huh. Ain't that going to throw people out for a loop? Um, so I, uh, I tell you, it'd be about as bad as the year that we had two Bushers, Chris Busher and what was the other Busher? He didn't stick around for very long. He won. Uh, James, James Busher, I believe it is. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But some fav- So I want to name a couple favorites on the Xfinity side quick. Um, I do think... Uh, I know you mentioned Sheldon Creed. Um, a couple other good ones, I think, as well. Uh, Justin Haley. 
uh, Daniel Hemrick. Trying to see a couple others in here. Austin Hill for sure. Um, trying to see well. Parker Kligerman. I think that's all I got in the Xfinity side. Trucks that I'm looking at favorite-wise. Um, that I'm not I'm not going to name the Cup Series drivers in this one. But let's see. Ben Rhodes is a big one for sure. Uh, trying to see. I think Hosevar is okay on super speedways. We know Zane Smith is for sure. Um... Matt uh, De Benedetto, you know he's good at super speedways. Um, I think Ancrum's okay. I don't know, Chris. Do you have, the, have any uh, favorites I didn't say or Miss Lee? You can talk favorites all you want at Daytona. It's a crapshoot. Anybody can win. We've seen that. You have to be around at the last lap. And if you're around at the last lap, you have a chance to win. But you've got to make it to the last lap at these super speedway races. This is true. But we do know that there are, um, while that is true, but we can't also argue against the fact that there are certain drivers that just have that super speedway speed and mentality. I guess you could say, I mean, I'll just name a couple of cup drivers just just to throw names out there. Um, look at Ryan Blaney, for example. Um we can throw in uh, Michael McDowell. We can also throw in Bubba Wallace. I'm just throwing out names. I'm not giving out. I'm not trying to jump ahead of subjects here, right. but I'm just throwing out like there are guys that have that super speedway mentality. Um, oh yeah, Dale Earnhardt, and Dale Jarrett. They were both hell of a, you know, uh, super speedway races. Tony Stewart, even though he never won a Daytona 500. He won every other damn thing, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, there's guys that have perfected the craft, and it is a craft. Anybody that uh, that doesn't believe that, that's why you can't count out a guy like Austin Hill, who we've seen. You know, Justin Haley. Like, you know, those are two drivers that you just don't really, you know, you you don't hear much, much success from them, but the moment they make it over to Daytona or Talladega, your ears have got to perk up when you hear those names. You know someone we haven't mentioned at this point? What about Ty Gibbs? Oh, wow. Oh, oh, oh you're, we're talking about the, the Silver Spoon Golden Child over there? Yeah, well, yeah, but, that's, but that's someone we <laughs> haven't mentioned yet. Right. Is he? Ra- I don't believe he's racing in the Xfinity Series. I believe it is just a cup effort uh, coming up. This weekend, for yeah, Ty Gibbs. I think Grandpa, I think Grandpa's keeping him in just Cup, unless I missed an announcement of him running like a few races in Xfinity or something. But 
thing as far as I know of, I think Ty's just running cup this year. That could be, but just throwing that name out there is worth throwing out names. I'm telling you, he's going to have the right equipment, you know, that's for sure, whether or not he can get somebody to work with him. That is the one thing, the delicacy about Daytona and Talladega is you can't win the race if they don't want you to win. Uh, we've seen it time before, Eric Amarola getting dumped by Austin Dillon. Um, you know, the, I think if Dale Jr., if if he didn't need help to win the race uh, every every year, you know, he would have won a lot more. Uh, but, um you know, you have to have somebody pushing. You have to have that last shove at the end that gets you across the finish line. And, uh, you know, that's going to be – you can be friends all race long, but that last lap is going to be something different. And we have definitely seen that through the years. Yes, now, we have. We are sitting here talking about drivers – um, throughout all three series, we got to sit here and talk about teams and manufacturers of how this all works out with these super speedway races. Because obviously, yeah, you want to work with your team and your teammates, but you have to, but nine times out of ten, the manufacturers get together with these teams and say, hey, I get that you guys are just. I get this is one team and that's another team, but here in the super speedway race, we have to work together as a manufacturer and we have to highlight those manufacturers because we have to see, I mean, we know in years past on the cup side, the boards have been uh, the main, boards have been the main uh, super speedway manufacturer to run up front and be dominant but we can't all we can't count on uh, some of the success Toyota's had, and we can't definitely can't count out uh, the Chevys either. I believe over the last ten Daytona 500s, four have been won by Ford, three have been by Chevrolet, three have been by Toyota. There is there is a good parity. Uh, but as you said, Taz, it's going to be some manufacturers, and we've seen this over the last few years. Where they've basically been told, "Hey, you're you're to uh, run with your your manufacturer." I think that has a lot to do with pit stops and not, you know, and stuff like that. But um, Toyota, right from the door, is at a disadvantage uh, because they have the least amount of cars of any fleet. So I believe it's going to be yeah, six Toyotas, possibly seven. I was just going to mention that, Chris, because. Uh, Toyotas, they have to think, do we pair up with Chevys or do we pair up with Fords? And the good thing about Toyota is that, yeah, they can run on their own, but they can play the chess game, too, of whichever manufacturer is doing better in the race. They're going to play with that. But they have, they have also played the chess game of, um, in the heat of the moment, if Fords are doing good, they're going to stick with Ford, but if they see Ford struggle, they're going to team up with Chevys. Yeah, Toyota has been known to work with Chevys in the past. Uh, they have to work with somebody, you know, and Ford, Ford's not going to work with another manufacturer. Uh, Ford has uh, grilled it into their drivers that they are all Ford drivers and they need to stick with the Fords. Of course, you know, 
Uh, you can kind of do that when you've got 12 to 14 cars, uh, similar to Chevrolet. Uh, I don't know what the exact count is on that, but I would say that there's probably uh, about a four-car difference between the amount in the Chevy camp versus the Ford camp. I don't have those stats right here in front of me, though. Um, but based off of uh, a 36-car field, a 40-car field, uh, there's definitely going to be more Chevrolets and Fords uh, than the Toyota Cam. They they have six cars, right? Uh, so they'll have to make some kind of arrangement there in the uh, battlefield that uh, gives them or improves their, their stat line. Uh, as they try to deem competitive against uh, the other manufacturers. It is now, always a manufacturer uh, race, though, and, and let's not forget that. Well, we have to go a little bit lower because, I mean, Xfinity, I guess you can say, is a little bit more balanced. But in trucks, and I feel like this is where Miss Lee can actually kind of help us a little bit more in that sense, being that she sees, like, some of these – she pays – I'm not, no, not trying to knock, but I feel like she pays more attention to more of the lower series stuff than maybe the rest of us do. Um, so she may know more about like, say like the toy with the truck series, there's going to be more of a balance because there's not a whole lot of Fords. It's mainly like a Toyota Chevy deal. Unless I'm right. mistaken. And- and and I I really truly don't pay attention to manufacturers per se, but I get what you're saying, Taz. Um, and no offense taken, I watch I watch the drivers as they're coming up, not necessarily the manufacturers. But you do have a point in the in the truck series. It is it they don't have as equal representation as the the uh, Xfinity series has. I believe uh, they are mainly uh, Ilmore uh, engines in, with, within the truck series, which is um, yes, uh, basically a, a, a common motor uh, throughout the series. And I don't know if that's a um, a comfort factor for the drivers coming up through the series because ARCA predominantly has the Ilmore engines. Um, And so I don't know if that's trying to accommodate the learning curve as you move up. Yeah, it's because I mean with Arca, they well, Arca the old never really ran uh, much of these bigger tracks, and with NASCAR acquiring it, um, they're running more on these bigger tracks. Which, in a sense, this is where NASCAR made one positive out of Arca. I mean. We know the direction that NASCAR has basically put ARCA in for the most part, but if there's any one positive is that they've kind of helped ARCA go from more primarily short track racing to kind of mix it up a bit because obviously after the truck series, 
who do you really go after? And for these drivers um, that want to, say, run with NASCAR in the top-tier levels, they're going to have to run these bigger tracks, and especially super speedways. So I feel like ARCA is starting to maybe come around on that one, I guess. Well, they, no, they they still, if you, if you look at their schedule, ARCA is still primarily short track focused. But, yes, they do run at Daytona. They do run it, I believe, at Talladega. Um, so, yeah, it, it gives them a little bit more exposure to the big tracks. Um, but they are still a primarily short track focused series. Thank God. But, you know. NASCAR's influence has been a positive and a negative on the series, in my opinion. Yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, Miss Lee, uh, I, I do believe that there's been some positive and some negatives uh, that have come about with the ARCA series. I believe that the talent pool just got, you know, uh, pulled so fast. Like, these guys, what is he doing? You guys don't want tractor, me to get started on right. ARCA being becoming a part of NASCAR because I'm I'm very strongly opinionated, as you know. So that's a discussion for another day. We can I can talk all day about about ARCA. Yeah, I I used to watch ARCA before NASCAR acquired it, and I thought they were doing just fine without NASCAR touching it. But like you said, we'll save that for a uh, different day. Um, yeah, I mean, we could we could have a whole discussion on the ARCA series. Look, I, I feel like it's gonna you know uh, over the next couple of years we'll see the resurgence of the ARCA series as we've seen. Uh, um. That you know the drivers fast track through the Cup Series. Now you, it's going to be back to rebuilding the farm system, so to speak. And uh, so you know, over the next couple of years, I kind of feel like uh, the ARCA Series will take steam once again. As as we've watched the Xfinity Series, the Xfinity Series didn't gain an identity overnight, guys. And neither has the Truck Series. As a matter of fact, the Truck Series has had more identity uh, than. Uh, um, uh, Dana Dana Harvey. So, um, you know, obviously, uh, the truck series has started out as an old man series. Then all of a sudden, you know, uh, you you had uh, some some localized talent that that kind of populated the truck series. Now it's a developmental series, uh, something that the ARCA series was mainly heavily used for uh, back fifteen twenty years ago. So. Um, but tell me out, guys. I think yeah. that NASCAR pipelines these kids and moves them up too fast. Look at Natalie Decker. Look at Haley Deegan. Um, Chandler Smith has done surprisingly well. 
and there there are a lot of other drivers that have come up through the truck series and and into Xfinity that have done well, but there are so many that were rushed up way too fast. They should have spent another year, maybe two, in ARCA before they got moved up. And when they didn't perform as expected and weren't able to bring sponsorship, they got screwed. And where are they now? Well, I can well, I can agree with you on Natalie Deckard. I'm I'm going to kind of go against you a little bit on Haley Deegan. I don't think she's trying to. I know Deegan um, herself doesn't want to rush and wash up. No, her but she. She should but, have spent another year in ARCA, and she brings sponsorship, which Natalie didn't so much. I always, I've always seen Deegan have more talent than Decker, but they kept, they rushed Decker and pushed her so much, whereas Deegan, yeah, they pushed her to the truck series maybe a year too soon. I do believe that um, Deegan staying in trucks for as long as she had is the right move. Um, oh, I know absolutely. People saying, oh, I know people saying her going up she, when she didn't announce her this was before she announced her what her plans were for this year with Thor Sport. I know people were saying, oh, put her with SS Greenlight and Xfinity. And some people were like, or like, yeah, that would be a good move in one sense, but it could hurt her in terms of career. And if we go back to what Haley was trying, if we go back to Haley's roots in ARCA, she said that she wants, she doesn't want to move up until she felt she was ready, um, which in the sense she may have moved up a year too soon from ARCA to trucks, but I honestly don't blame her for trying to stay in trucks because yeah, she had that good performance in Xfinity last year in that one race, but one race ain't going to cut it for a whole season or even half a season. Right. So I, I think her running trucks for as long as she has and still is, is benefiting her because she's developing her craft. Whereas when they pushed Decker at her career is washed up basically at this point. Um, trying to think right. And, else. and, and unfortunately Natalie's had some health issues too. So, you know, I, I'm not faulting her, but I'm just, I'm faulting the way they pushed her to move up. And and they do to a lot of these kids. You know, they see one good season and, oh, you should move up. No, maybe you should stay back another year and have another successful season and then move up. Wasn't, didn't they do the same thing to Derek Krause? I don't think he's with trucks this year. I might be wrong. 
Well, that guy. No, you may you, you may very well be right. If, that, if I'm not mistaken, that's the guy that got made fun of, right? That hit everything in the track in the Arca series. Uh, I don't. I don't know if that's the guy. The Wendy Venturini or the Venturini team. I'm not sure. There was something oh, last no. year. Oh no, Kraus. Kraus was with, was with McAnally. He was with the McAnally. I know. I know in the in the Arca level, he was the McAnally 16 car. And then he moved. I think he changed numbers, move, moving up the trucks. But I think I didn't think Kraus was entirely ready for trucks because I don't think he ran the main ARCA series. I think he just ran um, the regional ARCA stuff. Okay. Well, what else we got on the table, Taz, before we go to the uh, uh, the new segment? Looking forward to kind of filling this out and uh, uh, informing our listeners on the favorites uh, each weekend for these upcoming races. Oh, we missed the – there was an article of – if you remember, um, I think it was two weeks ago on our opening show – or maybe it was last week, we discussed uh, Toyota trying to expand on the cup level, and we were trying to throw out some teams that could go there. And somebody interviewed Justin Marks, and Justin said that they're not even interested in going over to Toyota. Yeah, Justin Marks claims to be a Chevy guy. said that that's where he got his first win, career win at. Chevy was a big part of his career. And he's going to continue his uh, partnership with Chevrolet. Uh, But that's probably Taz Taylor knowing how the racing industry works. Uh, That is code word for meet me at my office Monday morning at, say, 12 o'clock, maybe 9 o'clock. And make sure you bring a couple of zeros behind on that check. You know what I mean? So um, if Toyota showed up at the door, Kelly Grayson, I mean, Trackhouse Racing and said, you know, we're going to write this check to you. You've got to figure what makes uh, business sense versus, uh, you know, being loyal to Because I promise you, you may be loyal to Chevrolet, but you are not Chevrolet's number one priority. You could possibly Follow be Follow the Benjamins. Yeah. Yeah, you Follow could possibly be Toyota's number two priority. <laughs> And I don't want to try to change subjects too quickly here, but don't forget the Denny Hamlin uh, wanting to race at 2311 before retirement. Now, wait. Wasn't this last year that Denny Hamlin said, yeah, uh, it would be cool to race for my team, but as long as FedEx is here, I want to finish my career at Joe Gibbs with FedEx, right? Isn't that not what we heard last year? Somebody correct me, please. All right, that's what no, we heard. Right. So, 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 uh, what happened? What does this mean? Uh, I believe it means FedEx is out the door. Uh, Denny Hamlin is the hottest free agent uh, on the market, but I believe he has basically said, "Look, 
Um, expect me to be in a third team next year. They're building that team this year. Kurt Busch is going to make several starts as soon as he gets his medical clearance in the Cup Series. So um, they are working already on the third uh, team. I believe that the third team was in the fold, you know, for next year anyway. Uh, based off that was when Tyler Reddick was originally planned to come over to 2311. So um, I'm, I'm not sure that the third Huh? Third team or third car? Well, a, a third car, right, uh, for the team. Um, okay. Obviously, I think we all kind of assume that Kurt Busch may retire uh, before his unexpected retirement last year, but uh, there was no certainty that he would retire, and they were for certain bringing uh, Tyler Reddick over uh, to the 2311 stable. So now with two drivers, full-time drivers, I believe that third car could be open and, they, you know, that you could very well see uh, Denny Hamlin behind the wheel of his own very team uh, next year. Now, you know, when they named the team 2311, of course, Denny Hamlin drove the 11 car. The question is going to be whether or not Joe Gibbs is going to allow uh, Denny Hamlin to take the 11 with him uh, if he decides that uh, he's going to finish his career somewhere outside of Joe Gibbs Racing. Wow. He that's good, a good yeah, that's, that's a good one. Um, if Denny wants that number 11, he's going to have to, um, I guess what they call in regular sports world, kind of put a bid in to get the number. Kind of like um, – kind of like buying, selling a team or relocating type deal. I don't know how to entirely word it right, but he would have to put in a bid to try to get that 11 number from Gibbs. That would be the only way. Otherwise, he would have to stick with uh, the team numbers, which is obviously 23 and 45, but also try to, but also looking like the third card is going to be number 67. Yeah, yeah, that's going to make an attempt for the Daytona 500 with this Travis Pastrana behind the wheels. And this car is being prepared uh, to run a part-time schedule with uh, Kurt Busch if he can get, uh, you know, his clearance from the medical side. So, um, obviously, 2311 is moving in the direction of expansion. Um, And uh, honestly, I think with this coming out, with what uh, Denny Hamlin said, that he wants to finish – off at least one year with his own team, I think that's kind of proof in the pudding that there may be something going on here between FedEx and uh, and Joe Gibbs Racing, and we should know fairly soon uh, whether or not that's uh, that's in the plans, right? Uh, basically, sponsor exits kind of start off pretty early. It's, it's unlike the drivers, where you don't really know until September. A lot of times, the sponsor exits you know pretty early because. Uh, the sponsor wants to give the team plenty of time to replace said sponsor. And that kind well, of plays into uh, manufacturer switches, too. Will 2311 stay aligned with Toyota or look to another manufacturer? I think the one thing that Denny Hamlin has going for him is he is uh, basically, I believe, the longest riding Toyota driver within Toyota. 
Um, now that Kyle Busch has exited the building, uh, I think the tenure that Denny has is pretty much the longest tenure driver with Toyota. Uh, hands down, probably by, by a lot now without Kyle Busch in the building. So, you know, um, I'm just not really sure Toyota would let Denny Hamlin go anywhere. Uh, I, it would be tough to see. I, it's almost that you see Toyota on Denny Hamlin like you see Chevrolet on Dale Jr., and I know there'll be something to fight me on that. Uh, but but it just, it just you know, Denny Hamlin has driven for two manufacturers along his career, but a very short stint with Chevrolet before uh, eventually uh, becoming, you know, the stable horse there at uh, at Toyota Racing. Yeah, you. I'm going to go back to the number thing for a second there, Chris, and I put this in the group. Um, if you, if like I said earlier, Hamlin trying to get the 11, if he wanted to get it from Gibbs and go over to 2311. Um, if you guys remember, I, if you guys know, Kyle Busch um, is only running a two-truck field for KBM with a switch from Toyota to Chevy. But if you'll pay attention to the numbers on KBM, he only took the four and the 51, which makes me think either, A, he doesn't have um, enough funding behind him to do three trucks, or he couldn't field three trucks because he has to try to get a different number, a third number. And he ain't going to get 54 with Gibbs tied to it. Well, with Gibbs tied to it now, and I don't, and well, I don't think he acquired the rights to have the 18. I think Gibbs let him have it until he basically left Gibbs to go to RCR. And I think Gibbs is holding on to that number 18. And I know it's trucks, and Gibbs is on in the truck series, but Kyle Busch was kind of helping. I mean, not only was he driving for Gibbs, being Gibbs bring up some drivers, um, right. To feed through the Toyota system. Now that Kyle Busch has left Toyota as a whole, he's now helping Chevy and RCR now in the development system. Right. Right. And, and it's funny that you bring something up about the numbers because the 54 that Ty Gibbs is actually racing, it is a layover of Kyle Busch Motorsports and his personal team the 54 team of Kyle Busch. I mean, he's the one that made that number relevant. Uh, it was a stem off from the 51 of uh, Bobby Ballou. If y'all remember back in the old day when he started dominating in trucks, he was in the Bobby Ballou uh, number 51. That's where he got the nickname Rowdy, uh, driving the 51 truck. So it's cool that they kept the 51, but at the same time, Ty Gibbs is racing a number that was established by Kyle Busch. If you remember, I believe Kurt Busch, uh, the year that he was uh, pushed off on to, who was it? Uh, I think it was uh, Phoenix Racing or something like that. He raced uh, a schedule with his brother's team, and I believe won in the 54 car. I think it was at Daytona in the Xfinity series. So just a little tidbit there on numbers and all. Um, It is interesting that Joe Gibbs canceled the 18. I I believe there's an identity issue over there at the Gibbs count. 
Kemp, uh, being that Martin Truex Jr. is probably going to retire, the 19 has never really been a a number that was, you know, you you think you, you think of with Joe Gibbs. When I think the 19, I, I honestly I think of Jeremy Mayfield probably uh, or Lloyd Allen if you're old enough to remember Carl Edwards. Uh, yes, Carl Edwards only one year in the 19, but uh, Daniel Suarez had as much uh, in the 19 as Carl Edwards. Um, but uh, definitely an identity issue over at Joe Gibbs Racing and. They could look completely different next year without Denny Hamlin or Martin Truex Jr. Definitely uh, one of those things that uh, a year from now, Joe Gibbs may look a lot different. All right, Chaz Taylor. Well, I think we need to turn it over to you and uh, try to get this. Uh... Uh-oh. Ah. My, my cat wants to say hello to y'all. He doesn't know how to talk. So he just steps on Hi, buttons. Hi, kitty. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the process of giving me some headbutts here. Um, but, yeah, Tess, so uh, tell us about this new uh, game that y'all have come up with over the off season here, and uh, we'll just kind of just go from there. So before we get deep into our segment, that will normally – that should take about 20, 30 minutes um, – the last 20 to 30 minutes of our show each and every Tuesday night. Um, We are having a weekly NASCAR pool. Um, We are basically competing uh, with the fans along with the staff here at 110 Nation. Um, Basically, each week we get to everyone within the pool. um, We'll be picking drivers, 26 races, Everyone that signed up will be split into two groups. Um, this, their orig- we were not sure how the groups were going to be made until this week. It was unanimously voted by the 110 Nation staff um, that there will be one group that will just have the 110 Nation staff and the other group be the fans. Um, we'll get into a little bit more detail of that tomorrow morning when I post that the window to make your picks is open and who's in what group, blah, 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 uh, and all that mumbo-jumbo. Anyways, during the off-season, um, last few years, us staff has always, um, has always made weekly picks, as you guys know. And... Uh, Mr. CJ Sports, the the head honcho of the 110 Nation, pitched an idea to me about maybe doing a NASCAR pool with us and the fans. And after some conversations, not only between me and him, but also with the group, um, we felt like this would be one good way to interact um, with the fans, in a sense, because we would not be here doing what we do if it wasn't for any of the fan support. Um, not only through not only with Race Chat Live, but also One Ten Nation. So um, we have a NASCAR weekly pool each week. Like I said, the, for the first twenty six races, um, will be the regular season. Um, the top, the top finishers in each group um, 
will then go into the final 10 races and compete for the grand prize winner in the so um basically you pick a driver and that driver is going to earn you points now there's going to be a catch because if you guys remember the last few years we've there've been a few weeks where we have all picked one driver and then we have to go back and make a second pick well the I, after further discussions, we have felt that we need to limit how many times a driver is picked. So, for the regular season, and we'll figure things out for the final 10 races from there. But for the regular season, if a driver is picked by more than two people within their group, um, the first two people that pick that driver get to get to keep their picks, and then there will be an email sent out to everybody else that picked that same driver afterwards, and they need to make a second pick. That way, there there's a little bit of variety. You can try to go out and win, um, especially for the regular season. The group winners at the end of the 26 race regular season will win uh, a $25 cash prize each. Um, courtesy of the 110 Nation. And, of course, um, the last 10 races will be basically the chase, the old chase, not the playoffs, the old chase format, where the top people, the top people um, will go out uh, and battle it out for the last 10 races and the top point champion at the end of those 10 races will win the grand prize of $110 plus a uh, special plaque. Again, this is all courtesy of the 110 Nation. So, how can you make... So, obviously, we'll get into details on the post, so pay attention to the Facebook pages, but we're going to help you out, and this could also help us out, too, by looking at odds... Um, based on sports betting and looking at stats for the week of who's the favorites, who's the underdogs, and who are the sleepers. So we here at the staff will help you out, plus help us out, of what drivers to look at for the race weekend. Now you're going to be putting those in the categories too, right, Taz? You're going to have the hot pick, you're going to have uh, the uh, the uh, underdog pick. There are going to be several different voices to this, right? So we, we're just throwing out who the favorites are for the week, who are the underdogs, and who are the sleepers. Not peop, The fans will only pick one driver that they think will win the race. They could pick an underdog, somebody that we list as an underdog, somebody that we list as a favorite. They could pick somebody that we didn't even put as, as not even a sleeper pick. Hmm. The pick is up to them. We're just trying to throw out. We're just kind of being like, this is who we think is the favorites for the weekend. This is just to kind of help everybody um, look at the different options um, and also uh, – 
you know, just look at different options. Instead of just picking, say, you want to pick Kevin Harvick each and every week because right, 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 right. And, and Vegas will kind of lean on the one certain driver as as the year goes about. But what we'll do is we'll we'll give you the inside, right? And is that kind of what you're saying there, Taz? We're we're gonna yeah, we're, we're gonna we'll help you, you decide we'll on what that pick should be, whether or not you're gonna go with a dark horse this week or you're gonna go with the favorite. Yeah, we're we're gonna dissect it and help you guys out. And like I said, this could help us out too, because I mean, all all three, four, five of us um, have all different views and opinions on drivers. Yeah, we do agree at times, but hey, you can't have a good podcast if you if you're not opinionated and don't throw in your own flavor into the into the boiling pot. Right. But we're not yeah. actually going to tell who our picks are. Yeah. No. We're, yeah. We're not going to give you picks. We're not going to give you our picks this year because of this pool. So, because we're actually like competing I said, against each other. That's right. So, I've been looking at odds. Chris, you might have the odds better than I do. Um, being that you're, it seems like you're more of a sports betting guy. I know I've been looking at stats because that's just me. But, Chris, can, if you want, you can read off the odds for some of the drivers, and I can give you some of the stats for some of these drivers. Um, and then we can kind of pick at who are the who are the real favorites, who are the real underdogs, and who are the real sleepers. And each one of us that might, live... that might kind of surprise you here, Ted. We've already mentioned the one guy who's uh, on here to be a favorite, and his name is not Chase Elliott. With a plus 1,200, which means if you were going to bet $10, then you would only win $12 or $2. Uh, is Ryan Blaney with a plus 1,200. Now, Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott, they're both plus 1,300. Then you've got the battle of the Cows, the Kyle Bush and the Kyle Larson. They're a battle of a plus 1,400. you got Joey Logano, a plus 1,600, along with Bubba Wallace, favorite at the same plus 1,600. William Byron? Uh, I believe is uh, plus nineteen hundred. Then you got Keselowski, Chastain, Truex, Harvick, Reddick, and Cindric. After that, uh, the odds get uh, they go downhill fast, or I should say uphill fast. Um, McDowell, Gregson, Busher, Briscoe—all of those guys are topping out at plus four thousand. Uh, plus 5,000. Interesting enough, Jimmy Johnson is in that plus 4,000. Uh, Justin Haley. He, wow, guys. I don't know about this. Plus 5,000 for him and A.J. Offendinger. Also, Ty Gibbs is a plus 5,000. Austin Hill, Harrison Burton are both plus 7,500. David Reagan, who I've not seen on the entry list, but I guess he's going to be in there. Is a plus ten thousand Gillian plus ten thousand Lajoy plus ten thousand Travis Pastrana plus ten thousand uh, Chandler Smith and Zane Smith plus ten thousand 
then you have Ty Gibbs, Ty Dillon, Cody Ware, and McLeod all at plus 20,000. So uh, if I were to pick anybody, I mean, from my money pick to be between Justin Haley and A.J. Allmendinger, man, oh, man, that would be a hell of a payout, uh, plus 5,000. Um, I, I don't know. And, and Miss Lee, you said something about Ty Gibbs. He's a plus five thousand as well. I'm almost wondering if in the in the three we're not looking at a Daytona five hundred winner. You lost so, me with all the odd stuff. I don't. I don't. I've never gotten that stuff. I've never understood it. How they figure it out and whatnot. I just go with my gut. So. I'm going to ask a question, and we'll, we can go around and let's name a couple of – I'm going to name some stats first. Then we can go around the table here and say and go around and pick, say, two drivers that are favorites. Each of us just pick up favorites and sleepers and such. So stats-wise, um, the top guys that have an average finish within the top 15 – there's only four drivers that have done that. Um, the top one is Austin Sindrick, who in his three Daytona starts, not Daytona 500 specifically, but Daytona as a whole, um, in three Daytona starts, he has finished in the top ten twice, the top five twice, and he's won once, which was a Daytona 500 last year. Average finish of 6.3. Bubba Wallace is next in line in 11 Daytona races. He's finished in the top five and in the top ten four times each with an average finish of 12.4. Justin Haley next in line in five Daytona starts has one win, one top five, and two top tens with a 14.2 average finish. Austin Dillon is next in line in 19 Daytona starts, has two wins, four top fives, nine top tens with one pole of an average finish of 14.7. Now I will round out the top five in this one, and this should not be a shocker at all. The rounding out the top five in the stats category for average finishes is just outside that top 15 mark. And he has an average finish of 16.8. And that is your three time Daytona 500 champion, Denny Hamlin. In 34 Daytona races, he has, he has three wins, 11 top fives, and 12 top tens. So, you've heard the All three of those wins are day 500 wins. That's crazy. Yes, but now you've heard the odds and crest. I've given you some of the stats. We're, all right, so we're going to kind of give um, – our favorites here first. My two favorites, in my opinion, based off of odds and stats, one of them obviously is going to be Denny Hamlin. Um, for you, Chris and Lee, if I don't mention a driver, or if I mention a driver you guys have, if you possibly can, pick a different name, but well, but if you guys come with the same name, don't worry about it. But I, Denny Hamlin is an obvious favorite. Another one I'm looking at that could be settled as a favorite, and this may be a small surprise for you guys, 
is Don't you do it. It's actually I hate to say it but sophomore in the cup series, Austin Sindrick. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. Wow. <clears throat> okay. Well I don't know Ms. how you Lee, can skip over Kyle Bush. <clears throat> how can you skip over Kyle Bush? Kyle Bush, I mean the uh the guy got kicked out of his ride, right? Uh, got told, oh, we can't find sponsorship for you. It doesn't look like Richard Childress has had any problems uh, finding sponsorship. You know, sometimes they, they talk about Matt Kenseth going to the dark side. Well, this is really a driver going to the dark side. Kyle Busch is going to the organization that Dale Earnhardt drove for. If any of y'all aren't on the bandwagon that this is Dale Earnhardt giving a big old middle finger back to the Cup Series, by Kyle Busch being in his race car, man, I don't know, man. I think the storyline is going to read, you know, Kyle Busch. Kyle freaking Busch, man. I mean, it, to so, me, he is the favorite going into the Daytona 500, without a doubt. He's been there 18 times, 17 times before. This is his 18th time. He's going to get it this time. Like, this guy, here's this kid marking has Kyle gone, Busch is a favorite. Yeah, man. But I, wow. I mean, I'm willing to write the check, Taz Taylor. I, I don't even have a second. If I had to go out there and grab a second, I, I would just have to stick with the name Kyle. I'd say Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson. You know, Kyle Larson passes Kyle Bush on the last lap and wins by a fender. Maybe. But I, I, I'm sorry. You know, I keep it the Kyle and Kyle show. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Bush is going to win him a Daytona 500 this year, guys. Without a doubt. I, I feel it. So you're going Kyle Busch and Kyle Larson as favorites. All right. Miss Lee, did we miss any names that you may think could be favorites? Oh, I'm sure. I, I, just, I pulled the two best. I really hate to say it, but I think Baba stands a Whoa. good chance. <laughs> Uh, shut up, Chris. <laughs> I was actually not surprised that he came up because he was he was one of the people I was thinking as a favorite. I think Bubba stands a good chance. I think Hamlin stands a good chance. You know, this isn't his first rodeo. He's won this race before. He can do it again. Um, outlier, and, I would say Kyle Bush. We have to see just what kind of support he has from his new team. No, we I'm, know he we can drive. And we know it's Daytona where they've been known to be fast. And, you know, like I said before, Daytona's a freaking crapshoot. It could be no one we're talking about here. So It true. wouldn't be the like, first time. Cody, Cody Ware could win this race. That's, that's serious. Like, Corey LaJoy. Like, if this is right. any races to mark on my calendar, if I was Corey LaJoy, this would be the one. Right? Right. 
and AJ Allmendinger. You can never count out the dinger. Cannot count out the dinger. Road courses and super speedways, baby. You better, you better, you better keep your eye on the dinger. So we have for favorites Hamlin, Kendrick, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, Bubba Wallace. Let's see if we can knock off a no. few sleepers and un- <clears throat> sleepers and underdogs. No, no Hendrick Motorsports. Oh well, Kyle Larson. Yeah. Is my bad. Yeah, just Kyle. Um, no, 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 no Chase, no Willie B, no Alex Bowman. Sleeper, um, Michael McDowell. Yes. Ooh. Ricky. In house. You have a you have another one in mind, Miss Lee. Mm, not really. Okay, fair enough. Chris, do you have one or two underdogs to throw in the hat? Yeah, Ricky Stenhouse and hmm, obviously Austin Hill, right? Okay. Okay, I see where you're going with that. But definitely. I mean, that beard that beard motorsports car is always around there at the end. It was when Brendan Gaughan drove it. I know a Gregson did a hell of a job driving it as well. Uh, Austin Hill, I, I think, you know, he got his first – he cut his teeth at the super speedways. Uh, this team is capable. Uh, definitely capable at Daytona. I'm, I'm uh, you know – I guess we have to say the least likely, and I would say the one of the least likely would be Harrison Burton, and I don't know why. I just just not sold on that kid, and and um, you know, uh, it's unfortunate because I know Wood Brothers is looking for that 200 victory, and I would love to see it at Daytona, but man, I don't know what Harrison's missing, but I, I think it's talent. Well, before we get to head into the underdog story. My sleeper Oh, I'd say he has no chance at all. <laughs> Ain't an underdog. I'm I... saying no chance in hell. Ah, okay. Well, anyways, for who's underdog, your, who's pick. your no chance in hell? Hell. Well, before I say that, I'm going to say my underdog. No, I want to know you no chance quick. in hell. No, no chance no, no, in no, hell. No, 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 I want you no chance in hell. No, I want you no chance in hell. Then we'll do sleeper picks. Because right. there's got to be a driver out there that you feel like has no chance in hell to win this race, and I believe it's Harrison Burton. He probably won't make it through the first lap. Oh, I think boy. he flipped. I think he flipped last year in the Daytona race. Yeah, he, he was did. the first That's car we, we actually got the to see the too. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Who is your no chance in hell pick? No chance in hell, Truex. Wow, that broke my heart, Miss Lee. Dang, I don't know. That's tough to say at Daytona. I mean, that's because anybody has a chance. That's why I mean we live in exactly. we live by that sword. That's why I thought that's why I thought it would be quite unique to bring that in. Who? Because look, Miss Lee, we've been known to uh, completely screw up our picks right so uh, with this one you kind of get that that chance to get out there like no chance in hell and then the son of a bitch wins <laughs> so exactly. I, don't know. <laughs> I guess bj mcleod <laughs> shit 
Um, <laughs> honestly, that was going to be who I said was BJ. <laughs> um, oh, goodness gracious. Dang, okay, we think okay, too much to, alike. I want to throw in a couple... I want to throw in a couple sleepers before we toss in some underdogs to round off uh, our little preview for the weekend. Um, a couple sleepers. I'm surprised nobody mentioned them in a sense. Uh, I'm going one sleeper. I'm going to say is Austin Dillon. Oh, I'm going with the, I'm going with the other Austin. And another sleeper. Um, I believe he has won the Daytona 500 before, uh, and should be no surprise being of the camp that he's coming out of. Uh, and he has some decent odds too, Joey Logano. Oh man, I thought you were and another one, Ryan, Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney. So, yeah, I mean, I was thinking more on the lines of maybe Eric Amarola. And Brad Keselowski, when you said somebody who had past wins, um, you know, uh, I'm surprised that we haven't mentioned Eric Jones. But, of course, uh, Alex Bowman should be on everybody's sleeper list as well. Absolutely. That man has started on the front row every year for the past five years. Wow. Good stat. Stat of the day. Stat of the day. See, we got a stat of the day. All right. So while we have a few minutes before we wrap up the show, who are some underdog picks that have a chance, but it could be more of a long shot for them? Mm, Jimmy Johnson. And I don't mean mean no chance in health picks either. I mean, like, they have – they have like a actual legit shot, but it's going to be a long shot. Yeah, I mean that's hard to. That's, you know, you, you want to probably pick out the name Daniel Suarez, right? Uh, and how significant that would be uh, if he were to be able to bring home such a trophy. And you know, you also have to look at the rookie uh, Ty Gibbs. Uh, those are going to be two uh, two names that kind of stand out that have the experience. Um, as a matter of fact, I think Suarez was running, I think he may have been leading a race a couple of years ago uh, in the Daytona 500. Um, I didn't, wasn't able to seal the deal, but uh, I do remember Suarez running up front uh, and, and hearing the crowd explode. So that would be a fan favorite if Daniel Suarez uh, could possibly pull off the feet. Uh, but like I said, you know, um, Ty Gibbs, the name that was mentioned earlier, no, he's definitely. I mean, he's in solid equipment, man. I don't know who would no work with Gregson. him. Ooh. Very good. Very good. I got. I put down Eric Amarola on my underdog list. Yeah, he led the four ninety nine. Uh, trying to think of some other underdogs in there too. Oh. I'm surprised Frisco. we didn't mention him because I think he won a Daytona. I think he won a Daytona race in Xfinity. What about Shastain? Can we throw his? Yeah, name? I'm not hot. I'm not as hot on Trackhouse this year. I was never sold last year. Like I think Trackhouse 
finished well beyond what they were really their performance wise. I'm not sold on track house. Uh, I think they are my biggest question mark coming into this season. Well, hail Melon. He might be able to pull it off. I think he's got a Daytona win in the Xfinity series, if I remembered right. So, I mean, he's not far off from the super speedway program there. Yeah, once again, Ross makes way too many enemies. I don't think there'll be somebody there to run partner with him at the end. And, and as I said, uh, it was it on this show right here. Big question mark going into the 2023 race season. Is Trackhouse for real? I, I don't. I, I was never sold last year. I'm not sold this year. Um, I want to see. I want to see it come out. I want to see them come out because honestly, on paper, Eric Jones and Noah Gregson look like a better powerhouse than Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez. But, you know, I mean, we're talking about a guy who went into uh, the last race of the season bidding for a championship and had a fairly good run. So uh, I could be completely wrong about track count. No, you you raised a very good point, Chris. Thank you, Miss Lee. No, a good underdog pick. Mm -hmm. Um, If he qualifies for the 500, Zane Smith – Smith, hey, that kid could win the damn thing. He is he he is one of those kids that I believe has a lot of talent. Loves to go fast. Uh, have brains and smarts about him. Uh, maybe just enough experience to pull off a win, and, and could earn some respect early in the race if he if if he's good at pushing. You know, I think that's gonna be that's gonna be what makes you friends at the end of whether or not you were a good pusher through the race. All right. Beautiful so, weather all um, weekend planned for Daytona. Let, Maybe, so, uh, and they're gonna, sold out. So we got two I'm minutes. I'm going to name off. Yep, I'm going to name off the names I got here quick. Uh, for favorites for this weekend, we got Hamlin, Sindrick, Kyle Busch, Larson, and Bubba Wallace. Sleepers, we have McDowell, Ricky Stenhouse, Austin Hill, Austin Dillon, Logano, Eric Jones, Bowman, Ryan Blaney. Underdogs, we have Daniel Suarez, Ty Gibbs, Eric Almarola, Noah Gregson, and if he qualifies, Zane Smith. Um, of course, we will post these uh, tomorrow morning when the window opens to make picks. Um, I for I don't know about you guys, but I thought this was a pretty cool segment. It kind of opened up some eyeballs uh, on some of these drivers because I was looking around. I was like, I don't know who to pick. Now I'm really having a difficult decision of who to pick this weekend. Some of your guys' points kind of opened up my eyeballs like, oh, boy. (laughs) Well, that's what we want to do here on uh, Race Chat Live. Fan the brain. All right. Well, great show. And I wish we'd have had Craig on, but – uh, he uh, had prior commitments, so uh, let's finish up, and uh, we'll get that song playing there, buddy. Sure. Thank you along every. Thank you again, everyone, for listening along to Race Chat Live here on <laughs> Tuesday night. Make sure you follow the 110 Nation Sports and Race Chat Live Facebook pages, and of course, if you're in the NASCAR pool, can't wait to compete with 
every single one of you for 36 races. Um, if you want to listen along to any of our shows, if you miss us live on Blog Talk Radio, you can also you can always listen along. Of course, Blog Talk Radio will have your back. Podpage.com, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, RSSB, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaving, Podcast Addict, Deezer, Podchaser, and on YouTube. Thank you to our sponsors, Make the 110 Nation Roll, Phoenix Fitness, Bears, Bullish, Market Talk Group, and Carolina Sports Plus. This has been another Tuesday Night Race Chat Live. We want to thank everyone for listening in. This has been Miss Lee, Mr. Craig, or, well, Craig unfortunately wasn't with us, but also Chris, Mr. Chris, and myself, Taz Taylor, for joining along and talking Race Chat Live for a few hours. We'll see you all at the same bat time, same bat place next week, Tuesday night. Have a good night, folks. Enjoy the Daytona 500. Hi, y'all. Happy Valentine's Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.